welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. In 1900, L. Frank Baum partnered with an illustrator, W.W. Denslow, to publish a children's book entitled The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Now, although they were living in Chicago at the time, what you may not know is the setting for Kansas was largely based on the three years that Baum spent living in Aberdeen, South Dakota, where he failed as a business owner and a newspaper editor. I find it interesting that Frank Baum didn't make much money in Aberdeen, South Dakota, but Aberdeen, South Dakota has made a lot of money off Frank Baum. Can we disagree on that if you've ever been there before? Well, uh, the book at that time would go on to have tremendous success. It became the best-selling children's book for the next two years, spawned many sequels, and was adapted into a hit Broadway musical. Then in 1939, MGM released the full theatrical version directed by Victor Fleming and starring the amazingly talented Judy Garland. It was one of the first movies to use Technicolor and would be nominated for six Academy Awards. Then in 1956, CBS broadcast the movie for the first time on television. And in that one broadcast, 53% of the households in America with the television were watching that movie that night. Since it was such a success, CBS began an annual tradition of broadcasting The Wizard of Oz, and families around the country would tune in every single year. And, and for myself, that's how I got introduced to The Wizard of Oz. And every year in our house, we would watch that when it came on, and maybe some of you did that as well. In 1989, the Library of Congress selected The Wizard of Oz as one of the first 25 movies to be forever preserved in the National Film Registry. And at that time, it was given the distinction of being the most viewed movie in history. What is it about this story that has been a multimedia success? Not only in literature, not only in theater, not only on the big screen, not only on television, but for 120 years, this story has endured. And, and can I just go out on a limb and say, I think 120 years from now, they'll probably still be telling this story and watching this movie. But, but why is that the case? And, and that's really the heart of what we're talking about in this series. If you're a guest, we're starting a brand new series called No Place Like Home. And we're basing it on this idea of Wizard of Oz and, and this simple story of a little girl named Dorothy. And if you remember it, I'm sure you might be, maybe it's been a few years, we'll watch it tonight if it's been, she, that she was just not satisfied. She was unsatisfied with where she was at in life and she felt ignored, she didn't feel appreciated, and she dreamed of a better life, a better life wishing somewhere over the rainbow. And that very simple idea is what started this story. And then as you may remember, Dorothy was put into a world of adventure, but she finds out, as many of us do in life, that it's not exactly what it's all cracked up to be. And she had a lot of challenges and a lot of struggles. And at one point, she finally realizes this truth that we're going to talk about throughout this series, that there's no place like home. You see, no matter where life can take you, a lot of adventures, a lot of thrills, a lot of crazy places we can travel, we always discover really in life there's really no place like home that place that we can come back to. As a pastor, I have the privilege of walking with people, and sometimes I've had the, the honor and distinction of being with people as at their, the, the end of their life, the final few hours that they have on planet Earth. And you know what I've never heard? I've never heard any one of those people say, boy, I wish I would have spent more time at work. 
I've never heard anybody say, boy, I, I really would like to take a look at my 401k right now. But, but so many times people say, man, I wish I would have been more at home. I wish I would have spent more time with my family and with my loved ones. See, because I would say, just like Dorothy, no matter where we travel, no matter how much success we have in business, no matter how popular the world might think we are, there's really no place like home. There is a desire deep in our human heart to have that place of safety, that place of security, that place of rest, the place of love, acceptance, and renewal. And I'll just say it again, church, there's no place like home. So we're going to walk through this together. And while we're going through this series, we're going to use this as a backdrop to talk about this idea of home and what God's Word has to teach us about being at home. And each week, we're going to use one of the characters from The Wizard of Oz as kind of a play on that. So to get us started this week, we're going to talk about the title character, that wonderful Wizard of Oz. And again, if you don't know the story, if you've forgotten about it, he was the great and powerful Oz. He was the one that was to help all of the characters. He was going to help Dorothy get back to Kansas. He was going to help the scarecrow get a brain, the tin man to get a heart, the lion to get the courage, to save from the wicked witch, and he, the one who had to keep the land of Oz and including Emerald City completely under his control. Does that ever sound like parenting to you? <laughs> As a parent, sometimes don't we hear things like, I need a ride, I need a meal, I need some help, I need a brain. Okay, maybe our kids don't say that, but how they act might see that they might need that sometimes. And that's what the wizard role is in this movie. And parenting can be that way as well. Can I just say this? Parenting can be the greatest joy in life, but it can also be the greatest challenge as well. Now, as we talk about parenting and using this character as a context, I just want to say in this room and maybe watching online, there might be kind of three different camps of people. Maybe you're right in the thick of raising kids right now. And if that's you here today, man, I'm glad you're here today. I hope it can be really life-giving for you. But maybe you're here today and your kids have already grown and you're kind of out of that stage of parenting. But, but can't we all agree that it never really ends, does it? <laughs> it doesn't matter how old your kids are, you're still their parent. I'm just experiencing that in our household when my oldest son just graduated. And in a lot of ways, I'm seeing that my parenting journey is really just kind of beginning in some ways. But there's maybe somebody here or maybe you're watching online or listening to our podcast that you're not a parent and maybe you don't have any desire to be a parent. So before you leave or mentally check out, I just want you to use this to talk, think about the context of your parents. As you're listening to this, think about your life growing up or maybe as you're still growing up. Not as a way to point fingers at your parents, but to really understand what it truly means to be a parent. And maybe as a child, even as an adult child, maybe you can help your parents with some of these principles that happen. Because here's what I want, I contend. How you relate to your parents has a significant relationship, a relation on your relationship with your Heavenly Father. How you relate to your parents can have a significant impact on how you relate to your Heavenly Father. I find it really interesting that our culture has a lot to say about parenting. If you didn't know that, I, I did a Google search as I was preparing for this message on books for parenting. I did a Google search on books for parenting, and I found 79 million results. Okay? So if you want a full-time job, go, go research books on parenting. It, it's a lot. There's a lot of information that our culture has to say about parenting because I think it's such a big need. We all want to be good parents, the parents that are. We want to have that desire, and I think there's a desire to get some information about parenting. But here's what I find very interesting about parenting. There's actually very few verses in the Bible that directly deal with parenting. Isn't that interesting how our culture, we can find 79 million searches for books on parenting, but when we go to God's word, there's really not a whole lot about that. 
And, and this is why I would say that. I don't think it's because parenting is not important in God's word. That's not what I think. I think we're looking in the wrong way. See, there's a couple of problems that we have as parents. And, and here's the first one. We are focused on outcomes. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes as a parent, we want to have the outcome. We're focused on the outcome. We want to have good kids, right? Can I just say it? There are no good kids. <laughs> All kids are very selfish. They're very egotistical. There's no such thing as good kids. But we want that, don't we? We want the healthy kids. We want the emotionally secure kids. We want kids that are financially responsible. We are focused on the outcome. And that's what I think our problem is. I don't think God is concerned as the outcome as he is with the process. And so if you got your note sheet, you want to write these down. On the back of this, this is blank. Here's the first one that I want you to write down. It's not the outcome. It's the process. See, when it comes to biblical parenting, it's not the outcome. It's the process. Outcomes we can see immediately. We like outcomes. But processes, they take time. Outcomes other people can see, and they can look at how great and well-adjusted our kids are. In fact, sometimes that's why we do it, isn't it? So they can be a little jealous about how good our kids are. That's what outcomes focus on. Processes, however, are under the surface. It's a lot of things that are unseen, that are in private. See, outcomes can change quickly. You can have a very great upstanding child, and they can make one poor decision, and the outcome can change, can it, in just a very quick moment. But processes bring lasting change. Our problem is, as parents, sometimes we focus on the outcome, but we really need to focus on the process. Proverbs 22.6. And if you're a parent, boy, this is something you should have tattooed on you, man. Proverbs 22.6. Let's read it out loud together. Let's be on the screen behind me. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Can I just say it? Parenting is a process. We need to start our kids on the way that they should go. If we desire outcomes, we're going to be frustrated. But I think there's another problem that we have as a parent. And I think this can probably even be a bigger one than focusing on the outcome. The second problem we have as parents, we like to be in control. And if we're being honest, that's not just a parenting thing. We just like to be in control a lot, don't we? But as a parent, you will find yourself not in control more often than not. But we want to be in control, don't we? In fact, the biggest issue we have as parents is when we lose control. We can lose control of other people in our kids' lives. That's why we spend a lot of time and focus on getting our kids to the right school with the right teachers. And boy, if, if the teacher or the coach has a problem with our kid, we got to go and take it that. We want to control our kids as friends. We want to control our kids as spouse. See, we want to have people to have an impact around our kids. But we also want to control the event. Sometimes events can happen in our kids' life. Sometimes car accidents can happen. Sometimes pregnancies can happen. See, outside events can affect our kids as well, and we want to control those and try to protect them. Those helicopter parents that never want the kid to fall down, right? I'm going to try to control it because I don't want it to be hurt. And sometimes our kids' choices, too, we can't control. Sometimes our kids decide that they will use alcohol, use drugs. Sometimes they'll be defiant. Sometimes they won't, uh, they'll abandon us and not come home as we've asked them to do. See, as a parent, we really want to have control. Now, I'm going to say something, and this is going to be very freeing and very sad at the same time. If you're a parent, I need you to understand, you don't have control. We, we have to surrender. We don't have control. But I'm going to give you some good news. We have something better. As a parent, we don't have control. We have a path. 
We have a path. It's not about control as a parent. It's about the path. Now, in our room today, we have this amazing yellow brick road that kind of ties in with our movie, right? And if you remember from the Wizard of Oz, there was a phrase about the yellow brick road. You remember what it was, church? Follow the, follow the yellow brick road. Say it with me. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Did you know as a parent, God has given us a yellow brick road to follow? Did you know that? We have a path as a parent that we can follow, and it's our yellow brick road. Isn't that good news? So if you got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. There's also a free app available called Uversion on any smartphone or device. You can download it right now. And in the book of Deuteronomy, this is Moses. He's talking with the children of Israel right as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. This is God's chosen nation. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in the fourth verse, here's what Moses said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, if you're part of Celebrate, this verse should sound very familiar to you. We just got done with this series called Church on Purpose. We talked about the first purpose of the church, which is what church? Love God. Good job, right? That's where we got this verse from. Now, we need to read the next verse. Verse 6. These commands I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on who? Your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I find it interesting that Moses says, talk about them when you sit at home, walk on the road, lie down, get up. The better question is, when should you not talk about them? All the time, we should be on the path. Can I just say it again? Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. That's what it says, but don't miss what verse 6 says. These commands are to be on your hearts. Can I just help you with something, church? As a parent, you can't impress it on your children if it's not on your heart first. To follow the path means it needs to be on your heart so then you can follow the yellow brick road with your kids and they can see that. Which brings me to the third problem, right? We, we say it's not about the outcome, it's about the process. It's not about control, it's about the path. But the third problem that we have is this yellow brick road. Can, can, I, just, can I just be honest with you? As parents, we like to talk about the path we should follow. We like to talk a lot, don't we, as parents? Now, as a pastor, that's kind of hypocritical of me to say, because I like to talk a lot too, right? But, but as a parent, we really like to talk to our kids. But, but, but here's the problem. It's not so much our talk as it is our walk. Our kids will listen more to our walk than our talk. Let me give you an example. I saw this online where there was a parent, a father of a 13-year-old boy who wanted to teach him the importance of honesty. I want my son to understand the importance of honesty. This is what the approach that he took. On Monday, I read to my son from a passage from the Jewish Torah on honesty. On Tuesday, I read to him from the teachings of Jesus about honesty. On Wednesday, I read to him from Buddha about honesty. On Thursday, I read to him from the prophet Muhammad. On Friday, I read to him from Gandhi. And then on Saturday, we went to the movie. And since the cutoff for a child ticket is 12 years old, I told the ticket taker my 13-year-old son was only 12, so I wouldn't have to pay the full price for the adult ticket. Can I tell you what lesson that kid learned that week about honesty? Do you think he heard anything from any of those great philosophers of the past? Or did they hear that one decision that his father made to try to take a shortcut? See, our kids are most effective about our walk, not our talk. And so if you want to write this down, it's not our talk, it's our walk. Our kids learn more from our walk 
than our talk. In the book of Ephesians, you don't have to go there. It'll be on the screen behind us. Chapter 6, this is what Paul writes. He says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. That's one of those top ten commandments that God gave us. This is the first command with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on the earth. See, as parents, we really like that verse, don't we? Yeah, kids, honor your parents. Listen to mom and dad. Obey your parents. Do that. We like that verse, don't we? But, but here's what I want to show you is the next verse. And church, this is so radical. When Paul wrote this in the first century, I can't overstate how radical this was for the church to hear this. But it's still true today. Look at what he writes in verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And I realize he addressed it to fathers, but can I just apply it to parents? Because the language actually allows that. The way you treat your kids will determine the way they treat other people. If you're not liking the way your kids are treating other people, it's hard, sometimes hard to take a look in the mirror and see maybe that might be something that we can do. See, kids can be a very difficult mirror to look into. It's sometimes it's easy to blame, minimize, and justify. And, and, and like I said before, church, this may hurt, but kids are watching our walk more than they're listening to our talk. So how are you walking on that path yourself? How are you loving people, loving God, and living out what God has called us to do? Because kids will see our walk more than our talk. You know, it's, it's interesting. This past week, I had the opportunity to be part of a, a community conversation. We're talking about how in, in our community, um, really, back in the day, it used to be Sundays, mornings, and Wednesday nights were kind of dedicated to church. And, and there's been a lot of things in our community that have kind of encroached on that. A lot of organizations, a lot of sporting, those types of things that have kind of taken away. And we're kind of part of a conversation about saying, how can we kind of reclaim those things? It's a, it's a really good, good conversation that that we're having, and, and I appreciate that, but I struggle with it, and here's my struggle with it, is because I'm wondering why those things are happening, <laughs> because I, I wonder if how much more important those things are than maybe the churches in our life, and, and I wonder what would happen maybe as parents if we were walking the talk, and we said, yes, this is important, and we made that happen, because see, here's what I want to help you with. A lot of times when um, we're chasing things like, like soccer games or gymnastics, which I think are all great things. I think they should participate in those things. But if we do those things and chase those things and we neglect what God's word says and, and neglect the community, it can have some unintended consequences. Let me help you with what I'm explaining. See, if, when a teenage daughter comes home and is pregnant, uh, I don't think she's going to probably go to her soccer coach for advice. <laughs> I think she might come to the church. Or how about if your son gets arrested for DUI, I don't think you're probably going to go tell the football coach because he might be in trouble with them anyway, right? But, but, but why is that case? Why are we having those issues? Because I think maybe as parents, we need to understand that our walk matters more than our talk. Let, let me just soften this up for you a second. Does Sunday morning really matter? Is it important to be here on Sunday morning? And again, as parents, no matter what level your kids are at, no matter what age you are, you're communicating that. You're saying Sunday morning matters. I want to be in God's house and worshiping with God. Does reading God's word really matter in your life? Is it something that you do consistently and see that? See, we want our kids to do that. Are we walking the talk? Does prayer really matter? When we're faced something with frustration or struggles in life, are we first turning to the one who can actually do something about it? Or are we worrying and fretting about it instead of bringing it to God? See, our kids are watching our walk more than they are listening to our talk. So just to kind of recap for you what we've been over so far, it's not about the outcome, it's about the process. 
Parenting is a journey that we're on. We all want to have that outcome, but in order to get that outcome, we need to have the process day after day after day living out what God's called us to do. It's not about control. It's about the path. We all like to be in control. We don't like to be out of control, but we need to follow the yellow brick road and instill in our kids those things that God has already said in his word. And that last thing is so important. It's not about our talk. It's about our walk. Are our kids seeing that lived out in our life? Are we on that yellow brick road with them and walking that journey together? Now, at this point, you may be asking, okay, pastor, what does this have to do with the Wizard of Oz? Okay, I'm sure you're all thinking that. Great question. Now, I'm going to help tie this in for you, how this applies to the Wizard of Oz. I read a really good book this uh, last year called Scary Close by Donald Miller. It's actually one of the best books I've read in probably the last year. It's, it's, it's awesome. And uh, some of the questions I get sometimes are people ask, like, Pastor, how often or how long do you spend preparing your message? I honestly think I never stop preparing. I think my mind is always going and thinking about how we can tie things in and put that in there. And as I was reading this book, this, this passage came out, and, and I was already reflecting on this series and how we were going to get this together. And so I want to read from you, from Donald Miller, what he talks about. He actually talks about the scene in The Wizard of Oz where Dorothy and the boys stumble upon the wizard. You remember this scene? A giant smoke-breathing machine of a thing that controls Oz with a deep, intimidating voice. But Toto the dog discovers there's a man behind the curtain and reveals the con to everybody. The Wizard of Oz is just a man. He's just a guy pretending to be somebody better than he is. And in a way, you have compassion for him. After all, he does have to keep Oz together, and what better way to do it than establishing control by pretending to be your all-knowing and all-perfect. That sound like any parents to you? <laughs> Maybe me as a parent sometimes? I like the next scene best. As Donald Miller goes on to write this. I like the next scene best, though. The scene where the man honestly tries to help everybody get back home. He's out of the closet. He's just a man now. But he still has power. Don't miss this, church real power. He has the power to encourage them. He reminds them of who they really are. He gives the lion a medal for courage and the scarecrow a diploma in thinkology. The tin man gets a ticking watch to remind him of a heart is more than just a beating piece of flesh. And this next part is so huge. I don't want you to miss this. None of those connections could have been possible if the wizard has stayed behind the curtain pulling levers. It's true. If we live behind a mask, we can impress, but we cannot connect. Church, can I just put it to you like this? If we focus on outcomes, if we focus on control, if we focus on our talk as parents, we can become the big, great, powerful, mighty Oz, can't we? And we're going to miss connecting with our kids. If I could just encourage you parents, no matter how old your kids are, if I could just say this one thing to you, step out from behind the curtain. Step out from behind the curtain and know that you don't have to be the great, all-powerful, all-knowing wizard of Oz. You have real authority in your children's life. God has made you their parents, and you have the authority to guide them and to live out their life. But it's not an outcome, it's a process. Can I, can I just give you some relief? You don't have to be perfect. We serve a perfect Jesus. We, we don't, it's not about control, right? We're not in control anyway. Even if we think we are, we're not in control. But there is a path to follow. There is a yellow brick road. 
that was created and designed by a God who knows your kids, who loves them, who understands everything about them, and wants them to be successful in life. And the best way to keep your kids on that yellow brick road is to walk that path yourself. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to be all powerful. You just got to know the one who does and to love them. And if I can just take it one step further, church, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus, who had all authority in heaven and on earth and the glory of heaven, stepped down from his royal throne and put on human skin and came and lived a perfect life, didn't he? Because he loved us. And as a parent loves their child, so God loves each and every one of us. He gave us things even though we didn't deserve it. And because of his great love, he showed us the way on the path that we can follow. It's not about being perfect. It's a process. It's not about control. It's about the path. It's not about how much we talk. It's about how we walk. And church, I think if we can understand those ideas as parents, we can come and recognize that there is no place like home. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for two of the greatest gifts you gave me in life, and they're named Caleb and Joshua. And God, because of my journey with them, I've learned so much about not only your love for me, but I've learned so much about ways that I can get better, how I can grow. God, I wish I could stand here and tell you that I never lost my temper with them, but I have, and you know that's true. God, I wish I could stand here and tell you that I always was, was made the right decisions and gave them the right advice, but you know that's not true. But God, I thank you so much that you don't ask us as parents to be perfect. God, you just ask us to step out from behind that curtain, recognizing that childhood is a process, not an outcome. God, forgive us when we chase the good grades and, and the, the good jobs and, and, and the upstanding young citizens. God, those are all good things, but God, those happen by a process. And God, forgive us when we try to be in control of our, of our kids' lives and God, knowing that really we don't have control. Just in the same way, God, that you have surrendered your power and your control to us and given us decisions. We know that comes from a risk, God. We know that that might mean that they might go astray. We know that that comes as a risk that they might deny us and they might abandon us. But God, you took that risk with us. So let us as parents take that same risk with our kids. Because there is a path that you made. God, you made a beautiful yellow brick road. And you made it so clear in your word how we are to stay on that. But God, forgive us when we talk more about the path than when we walk it. Because just in the same way that Dorothy and the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion had some trouble walking down the yellow brick road, God, man, there's some trouble walking down your yellow brick road. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. But it's so, so worth it. And God, I pray for parents in this room. Maybe they're watching online. Maybe they're listening to this podcast and they're about at the end of their rope. God, I just pray that you would just encourage them. God, I pray for parents who maybe um, have adult children that maybe have gone astray a lot. God, I just pray that they would just continue to stay faithful to you. 
And because of their walk now as adults, their adult children can see that and come into a relationship with you because of that. God, I pray for children in this room who maybe their parents are, are far from God as well. That maybe, God, that they could continue to stay on the path and be an influence and a light to you, God, because you love every single person. God, I thank you for this opportunity. And we ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless. Thank you.